Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. This is May 15th, 2022, and this is episode 111 of the workshop podcast. Tonight, we've got a good one. Uh, I've got, well, I don't want to spoil, spoil any of the fun here yet, but Dan is coming on in just a minute. And we're going to talk about his side hustle. A lot of cool history there, but we'll get into that. So real quick, um, announcements. Number one, if you guys saw the interview with A American, Angry American, Chris Weatherman, he is, so he was supposed to come on last Friday. They had a serious family emergency. Everything is good now. So we have him booked for this coming Friday at noon mountain time. So spread the word, get it out there. I think this is going to be huge for the workshop. I'm excited. Just finished the book series for the second time through this afternoon. Number two, tomorrow night, I'm going to have a special episode of the workshop podcast. Uh, since Friday got canceled with A American, they only left me with two episodes last week. I can't leave you there. So we'll do last week's episode on Monday. We're going to do top 10 guilty pleasure, shit hits the fan, Netflix movies, stuff that I have watched over the last couple of years. Should be kind of fun. I always love those movie list ones, and they're always a big hit with you guys. So we'll try that. And number three, join Telegram. I beat you over the head with it every week, but if you're out there listening and you've been a part of this workshop community, or even if you're just looking to become part of it, come by, uh, hit the, so we get the link in the description below, come by, join it. We just hit a hundred members. It's great. We got an offshoot for the book club and a bunch of others. Hey, there's Amy Dingman, evening. And finally, today's tool, that is something I used just this afternoon, putting up uh, the carrying or the, uh, the support posts for my covered deck. It is the Nico six-piece impact ready Magnetic nut driver set. Try to say that 10 times fast. $13.99 on Amazon. I have had really good luck with Nico. It's just one of those imported companies that's really good and they're not expensive. I love them. I've used a bunch of their gear for a while. I've got some impact Allen keys as well and they've been great. And yeah, so let's bring Dan on. Hang on here. Almost hit the remove button. Hey, Dan, how are you? And you're on mute right now, if you can hear me. You'll bring it up in a second. There we are. Hey, bud, right, how are sorry you? about that. We're doing good. That's how right. are you? Excellent. It's kind of cool to have you in here, man. We have, I had to go back and look, guys. October 2020 is when Dan first messaged me. We chatted for a bit. And that's when he told me right around that time that he was going to start a side hustle. And from here on out, it's been awesome. Uh, just got to shout out real quick. We got a new uh, Jamie Dean. Uh, he says he's an apprentice, finished carpenter from Lake Tahoe wanting to get some good books, uh, get some good advice. So, and we got Ronald Cole there, some new faces. It's great. So Dan, welcome to the workshop and Thank tell you. us a bit about yourself, man. Well, I, I just want to say right now, the anxiety I have is like oh. that last 10 seconds when you're on an eBay auction and you're trying to get it and you got that adrenaline flowing. That's kind of what I'm feeling right now. So I might be a little stumbly and nervous. So I apologize for that, but it's great to be here. And it's really great to finally get a chance to talk to you and share some ideas and uh, things with you. Um, you have actually inspired me from the first time that I heard you on Jack Spierko's podcast. And uh, we had a little offline conversation and uh, there, there was just something about everything that you said. It's like, I can do this. I can do that. And every time that you had an idea, it's like, I know that I can do that. I know I can make money on the side hustle with that. So I have uh, kind of become a, uh, a fan for quite a while. They say never meet your heroes, but uh, we'll let this one slide. <laughs> well, you know what? Listen, I know you said you're nervous, but I got to tell you, 
I have got a face for radio and people still tune in to check me out. So yeah, you're a natural. Like, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you this, Dan, just so it makes you feel better. Whenever I interview somebody for the first time who, you know, that I haven't met or I haven't been able to watch some of their content ahead of time, like I always have good interviews, but there's good interviews and then there's good interviews, you know? And you never really know how comfortable somebody's going to be, but you're 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 good. You don't need to worry about it. So all right, uh, Amy Dingman says, "Don't be nervous. We don't bite too hard anyway." So <laughs> a couple more of these, I'll be fine. Oh, you'll be good. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm going to show Dan out right quick, and then we'll get to his past. But Dan is one of the guys that when he says something, he actually does it. I so as you can imagine, on occasion I get videos from or requests from people that are like, hey. I want to start this. What can I do? I want to start content creation or I want to start a side hustle. And I always, you know, I always answer people the first time. I have no problem with that. And if I see somebody is doing it, I'll keep going with them. Right. But if somebody keeps asking for advice and they don't do it, eventually you're like, okay, when you're ready, come back. We'll chat. Well, Dan never had to leave. Dan's been doing it. So tell, yeah, go way back, Dan. Tell us. I always like to ask people, what was your first job in high school? And then start from there. Oh, my first job in high school was a stock boy at a little, uh, uh, it's called Danner's Department Store. They call it 3D, <laughs> Danner's Discount Department Store. Love and it. my job was to take stuff out of the trailers and get it out on the floor. And if there was a code red, then I had to go out and help bag things out at the uh, checkout line. So that was that was the first high school job. Um, to go back further, if I may. Uh, yeah. I actually started working on farms uh, at the ripe old age of 12 years old. And uh, because I was 12, they didn't have to pay me minimum wage. So I made $2.50 an hour. <laughs> and we were detasseling corn. We were de-weeding and things like that. Um, and then I was at my uh, family friend's house and we would uh, we would do hail, a hail, hay baling mm -hmm. and pretty much any farm job because I was in a small rural town at that point. But I did that, and then I had two paper routes uh, pretty much all the time. So I was always hustling, always trying to make money. And then uh, my best side hustle, the one that made me the most money as a kid, was uh, I, I would just go to the park at night with a flashlight and a coffee can, and I'd pull night crawlers. Yes, sir. And then I put up a sign. There was a road to a big lake uh, where I lived, and all the people with boats had to drive by it. So I just put up night crawlers, 25 cents a dozen. And I sold everyone I could pull. And I made a lot of money doing that as a kid too. That's a lot easier than uh, detasseling corn. God, yes. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's nighttime when you do it. So it's nice and cool. Uh, usually it's always going to be the heat of the sun in July, whenever you're pulling tassels. And they never, the thing about worms for the most part, you know, as long as the weather's decent, they're always there. You know, you can always, always you can always find some. It's like, you know, for a, how old were you when you were doing that? Uh, I, I did it for several years through uh, my preteens all the way till I was, I was, um, my sister was driving me around when she was 16 and 17. So at least till I was 15 years old, I was doing that. Yes, sir. So yeah. And um, you we're remember, just poor, man, I had to make money. That's all. Yeah. You said that. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about the, you? You grew up in a bit of, you know, poverty, did you? Yeah, um, we didn't know it. We we just thought that it, this is just how it is. We I, it was a real small town, uh, about an hour or so outside of the Indianapolis area, 
And uh, all there were were just a couple of factories, but we had no interstate, so uh, commerce was really low there. So there were a lot of little bitty shops and things like that, but it was mostly uh, paper routes and farm work. That's that's what we were limited to. Uh, I remember I did a paper route that uh, was one of those jobs that I did for a couple of months, and then mom and dad took it over because I was too damn lazy to look after it. So, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't have a whole lot of experience, you know. But so we're so from there. Um, did you go to any post secondary, any school after that, or what no? Did I I ended up going to uh, my my folks had me in a Christian school and okay. uh, got through graduation and all that, and then life wasn't going anywhere. I was working retail jobs and just couldn't make a buck. So I finally decided to join the Marine Corps and. Uh, I found out that my uh, my high school diploma wasn't accepted, so I had to. At the age of twenty, I had to go back to uh, high school and get a real diploma, and then uh, <laughs> went to the Marine Corps after that. Had a great time. So, okay, for an ignorant Canadian, can you can you explain what the Marine Corps is? Like, I get what the Navy is, what the mm -hmm. Air Force is. What what is the Marine Corps? Uh, the Marine Corps is a subset of the American military, and we are designed to be kind of a uh, the first in. So the president does not have to go to Congress in order to uh, push us out to battle. So that's like the, the, the first, first to go, last to know is what we always say. <laughs> but that's, that's basically what we are. We're amphibious, air, land, and sea. So oh, we have, okay. uh, yep, we have planes, helicopters, and of course we're on boats with the Navy guys. And then of course we're ground pounders. So you're like a, a mini version of the military in the military area, like a quick response we're Department of the Navy. Yeah, yeah something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. And what did you, I don't know how much you can talk about it. And if you, if you can't, you tell me, but what did you do in there? Okay. It's a secret. So I'm only sure. going to tell you, nobody else. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had smoked weed before I joined. And so I dis, I was disqualified for so many jobs. And so I ended up in administration. And so I ended up as an open admin, as they called it. So anywhere where you're going to be a clerk, that's what they were going to put me into. So I ended up working in supply. And so I did that for not even a year. And that's whenever the um, the IT thing kind of started. And we're, we're going back to 1991. Oh, so, so right no after heck. right after the Gulf War or right during? Were you uh, there? Right during. Okay. The war was over by the time I got through boot camp and school and everything. So I, I didn't get to go play in the sandbox. Oh, is what it is, right? It is. I'm fine. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with my lot in life. So, uh, yeah, I ended up um, just getting recruited to do some, some IT things, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, kind of going back, when I was 12 years old, my dad bought me this little Texas Instruments computer, and I learned how to program. And oh. all I was doing is reverse engineering code. Yep. And so it, it was just something I had always enjoyed. So when I finally got that opportunity, I latched onto it. So um, the first four years of my career, that's what I did was IT work. Okay. And then I requested to go overseas. I wanted to go to Japan. So um, I went there for a year and it was the most beautiful place ever. So I immediately asked them, just keep me here as long as you possibly can. And I went back to supply because that was my primary job. And sure enough, they had a shortage of IT folks. So I ended up, until I ended up um, getting medically uh, discharged and retired, I did IT the whole time that I was over there. So I had a, had a real good foundation for what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I still do today. And when did you meet your missus in, in that part there? 
Um, not into that part. I didn't meet her until about 15 years ago. Nice. So, okay. Yeah. So that I um, I was out in 99, and I met her in 2007. Okay. So I just I'm doing the math here. See, so you were too. I mean, this this isn't a bad thing as far as the military because as, as far as the 90s go, that was probably one of the most internationally quiet times for the military, wasn't it? Yeah, like it sure was. I know in Canada there was a lot of cutbacks, but I'm thinking you you just missed the Gulf War and you get discharged prior to 9/11. So you were right. you know fairly quiet time, I suppose. Yeah, we had a little bit of uh, Kim Jong-il back then. Um, mm -hmm. He was kind of doing some threatening. So, you know, we had a lot of stand downs in the uh, four years that I was in Japan. But uh, for the most part, you're right. It, it was quiet. And that's that was a training incident where I ended up getting hurt and getting medically discharged. So um, that was kind of the end of it. I was going on to my third uh, third enlistment. I, I, I joined to be a lifer. And okay. so you do 20 and then you retire. And so on my third enlistment, I just couldn't pass my physical just because of all the damage I had. Oh. So now I, uh, after that, is that when you jumped right out and jumped into entrepreneurship or how did you? Nope. nope. I, I, I worked some jobs and I worked some really good jobs. And then what ended up happening was I, I kind of got sick of it all. And I went mm -hmm. to work for an entrepreneur and I got the bug. And yeah. I had always had something going on the side. But working for him, I learned a lot. I learned business. I learned finance. I learned how to keep two sets of books, all those good things. So, yep. and it totally legit. Uh, matter of fact, I think you, uh, you had one of your podcasts the other day that you jumped in on. And that was one of the things you were talking about is the two sets of books and not to be scared of having them. Yeah. I think that was scrambling uh, Brian there from, uh, yeah. Scrambling university. He was talking about it. And yeah. I mean, it is what it is. And so you, yeah, and it's funny how, it, you know, you would think as an entrepreneur, if you could find a good employee that you'd want to hold on to them, but that's not the case. Every good entrepreneur I know seems to inspire other people to start their own business because, yeah. you know, that to me, I get excited every time I talk to somebody, you know, anybody, I'm like, hey, well, what are you doing for entrepreneurship? How can you do, it, just keep going, right? So it bit you. And where did you go from there? Uh, I went to a big global company. And I worked there for, for three years after I left uh, working for him. He had, he had a small amount of budget. So I just went to work for this global company. And then after uh, a transfer, I was talking to a guy and he said, you know what? You could do what I'm doing. He was, he was a contractor for me. He says, you could do what I'm doing, except I think you can do it better. You got the right attitude. So I, uh, I resigned and started my own IT company and ran that for 10 years. How did that go? It went very well, very, very well. So um, how come you're not doing that anymore? I got to the 10th year. I'm not going to get into too many personal things yep. here, but I got about my 10th year. I, I really wanted to be successful for 10 years. That that was my okay. whole idea. And so I made the 10 year, but there were some downturns that happened and the whole market changed. And so I, I couldn't afford to put six figure after six figure into changing the business and pivoting. So I sold it to a cooperative competitor, as I call it. Okay, that's all right. And then, did you stay working with that company, or did you? Uh, no. Did you? No. Okay. Nope. I I needed a break, so I started working in healthcare. Okay. And then COVID happened. <sighs> Dear God. 
should have been that should have been the best time to be working in healthcare. <laughs> I everybody is oh we're on lockdown we're on remote so yeah we're we're doing everything remote no in healthcare we were there every single day vacations canceled conferences oh. canceled there was no fun to be had. So that was yeah so obviously March twenty twenty and is is there any coincidence in the fact that you contacted me sometime in twenty twenty about starting a side hustle? Do you think that brought that on a little? Yeah, so I was getting that bad taste in my mouth uh, because I limited my income by not having my own company. Sure. And so that's whenever I started thinking there's something I've got to be able to do. And I knew it wasn't in technology. I absolutely hate technology, even though I'm very good at it, but I had to get away from it. And so I love working with my hands. I love being outside. I love doing tough jobs. So that that's when the uh, the journey began. It, it's funny how often people do a job or so when they start a side hustle or an entrepreneurial venture, it's the complete opposite of what you do on a regular basis. So it, it kind of serves to allow you to decompress a little bit too, does it? Yeah, a little bit. The um, The challenge I think that I had though going into this um, side hustle thing is the doubt, can, can I really do this? Are people really going to want it? And are people going to actually pay me to do the things that I'm going to do? And if you recall, I was sending you pictures when I was out there making money. It's cold. It's crappy work. But you know what? I just made a hundred bucks an hour doing this. Yeah. And and I, that's that's when I was like, hey, there's another load of trash. I'd send you a picture. hundred bucks, buddy. I was proud of you. I, you, you, I, don't know. I know Ryan. Um just trying to think who else. Ryan was out there probably a little, maybe a little before you, but you guys were a couple of the first couple of people who messaged me and got me all excited because I, you're like, oh, you inspired me to start. And it's pretty humbling, but I love seeing it. Like, so I went back to October. So when you first messaged me it was October 24th, 2020. Okay. And, uh, can I read you your comment? I yeah, think sure. Yeah. Okay. So I said, Hey Tim, thanks for all your input at TSP. You've inspired me to start doing Holloways to the dump next week. I'm considering that it's unskilled labor. So would you use like a $10 an hour rate for something like that? I'm also considering dump fees, whatever. Said that being said, what is a fair number to charge generally? My thought is to just start bidding and see where it is. If people like it, I can slowly increase until I get resistance. So are you still making $10 an hour? God, no. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? Yes. So here's what I did. Uh, my wife and I, have, we, we have a couple of riddles. And so we had one that was just, the people decimated it. And they left the pole barn out back just full of junk. And I was so tired. We spent three months working on this house and just trying to make it livable again. But that was kind of like the afterthought was to take care of this barn. And so I called 1-800-GOT-JUNK and they were like, well, for what we can see, they didn't even get up there and see how far it went back. I think in my mind, it was like $450, $475, just remove these rows of boxes. And that was it. Yeah. I was like, I can get that in the back of my truck and take it to the dump down the street for 30 bucks. Right. So that's whenever it happened. And during that time, while I was in that nasty house painting every day, Jack Spearco had a podcast, uh, Rewind. He was on vacation. He was down in Florida fishing. And he says, I'm going to challenge you to start a side hustle. So that's before we get to the garbage outside. And he said, I want you to figure out a way to make $100. And then I want you to double it. Mm -hmm. And so that just like a week or two after that is whenever the whole trash thing started. And here we are. 
I love it. I love that. Like, so I, you had another message there that you're like, you, I'm, you're saying, um, I hope you get to 500 subscribers soon, Tim. So that tells you how long you've been around, right? So in another month or so, I think we're going to hit about 4,000. So you've That's been, awesome. been there since the beginning, but people, you know, people listen to advice from Jack or, you know, to me or me even, and they just, sometimes they roll their eyes and like, it's so damn simple. Well, if it's simple, then do it right and and right. you're doing it and because it is simple but it's not always easy right i mean you're it's not me, easy yeah but it is simple because you sent me pictures middle well i say middle of the night i mean it was winter so and you're in indiana so the days are short it's cold and you're hauling garbage and you know it so how how has that yeah i mean you talk about how your side hustles and things have kind of evolved from where you started like well the side the side hustle for hauling trash that has no limits there's yeah. always somebody trying to get rid of something i could do two three loads a week never a problem and so what what my takeaway from that is it usually takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to load put a load in the truck mm-hmm. and then another 15 minutes to get to the dump and drop it off and then go back and get another one so i could do a couple in a night uh, but I did find a shortcut. There is a municipal dump that allowed me to dump all I want for five dollars. So oh. a little bit more money in the pocket that way. See, isn't but, it? I love it. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. But the the I, there's a, a funny side story I want to share with you. Yeah. Um, there's there was one one night. This guy he just needed me to get over, and he just emptied his garage. It was all out the driveway. He's like, "Man, get get over here as quick as you can." So I get there. And I'm coming from the hospital. I've been working. I come over and I still have my uh, casual, uh, business casual clothes on. So I'm in my lanyard and all that on. And so he had like a couch and just tons of trash, just garbage. And so he he says, I want you to get all this out of here. It's going to take at least two loads. I already know that. He says, but I'm going to give you a little bit more money. And me and my wife are going to be watching a movie. We don't want you to knock on the door and ask us anything. Just haul it and get out. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, no problem. And so he stands around while I'm taking this couch and I'm trying to find a fulcrum to get it flipped into the truck. He's like, I'll help you with that. I'm like, I got this. I'm a professional. Yeah. And he kind of laughed and he says, is this what you do for a living? I said, no. I said, I'm an executive at a hospital. I I, uh, run the IT department for uh, a little hospital around here. He's like, then why are you doing this? I said, for fun. And it reminded me of the movie Caddyshack. Whenever one of the mm-hmm. smart-ass caddies, they said, "Hey, do you do you do this for exercise?" He says, "No, I'm an independently uh, wealthy millionaire, and I just get out here to do this for exercise." And it kind of reminded me of that line from that movie. Well, that I, you know what I I, I told the story the other night, but I was at a chicken wing joint the other day, and there was a, a young girl there was uh, waited on me. We got talking while I waited for my chicken wings, and she uh, she said, "Well." asked her how she did for tips. She said, I don't really need this job. And I'm like, so you're 18 and you don't need this job. I got to ask how. Anyway, she runs um, like a health and exercise, um, like consulting business on the internet. So she does like, um, you know, Zoom calls with people on, you know, that kind of thing. She's making eight grand a month right now doing three days a week. Yeah. So um, in other words, she sells, you know, she goes and waits tables at the chicken wing joint because she wants to, not because she has to. It's a totally different world whenever you're doing it because you want to. Yeah, because then you you got the freedom to say no, right? Yep, and I have said no. I, I yeah. did contact you one time when I took a job I shouldn't have, and I said, man, I think I just totally underbid this thing, and it sucked so bad. I was out there for an hour and a half for $100, and it it was so much dirt and garbage. It's like they just 
all their food and everything. They didn't even put it in bags. They just put it in cans. Oh. And I had to load that in my truck and it stunk all the way there. And then I had cabinets and a, a dinner table. I had to take an ax and cut it all apart. Oh. So I've, and I've had a couple of those. That's to be expected. So, and, um, so like they just basically loose garbage on the ground and mm -hmm. did you get pictures ahead of time? Like, or do they just kind of call you? How do you do it? What do you, what, what's your kind of system? I'm too honest. Mm -hmm. I tell somebody, Hey, I'm going to do that. And it's going to be 110 bucks. I'll be there in an hour. And I yep. go and I see it and it's like, uh, they said it was a truckload, but they didn't tell me it was a truckload of sludge. So, yep. but I man up, I do what I say, get it uh, lopped in there and then take it to the dump for him. I mean, even if it took you an hour and a half, uh, that's still what, 60, $66 an hour or something. So, yeah. you know, you'd have to wait tables at a restaurant quite a few hours to do that. So, yeah, unless I had, uh, oh, no, sorry. go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. <laughs> no, I said, unless I had, you know, big. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cabot says plus five points for Caddyshack reference. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I love Caddyshack. We love our movie references around here, which you probably know from listening on occasion. So, yep. Oh, by the way, the book club. Um, yeah. So I, I did start. Um, um, oh shoot, what's the, what's going the home. book? Going home. Yep. So looking at that after doing the um, the Wesley Rawls, where they have all that weird dialogue in it, and then uh, one second after. Yep. This is totally entertaining. Yeah. I could I could definitely see a movie script out of this. It'd be very good. He is, he has been shopping it for quite, so he's had a lot of interest to make it into a TV show, which I think would be even better. Oh like yeah. Some long form like AMC would be great or who knows. But, um, so I did some digging cause I want to ask good pertinent questions. And so his, his big thing was he wants complete creative control wherever it goes. And I totally understand that. So, yep. you know, so that's why it hasn't happened yet because he's been looking for the right place that'll allow him. Cause you know, you, you get, like Amazon bought the rights to Lord of the Rings and people are real worried about that right now because, well, you know, <laughs> what do they say? Go woke and go broke. And it sounds like they might <laughs> go broke, so. Yeah. They all end up doing that though. Oh yeah. So, okay. So you start it with garbage because yep. what do they say? The, the garbage business is always picking up. So you made some money there and yep. <laughs> sorry, had to do a dad joke. Where did you go from there, Dan? So I'm in my basement one day and messaging with you. And yep. I said, man, I've got to do something else. So I, I'm already doing the window washing thing. You had given the tip on the window washing, $5 lower level, $12 upper level. Yeah. didn't do a whole lot with that, but okay. you know, it's still there. It's still an, yeah. op a, an opportunity. And right now it's getting ready to heat up, but I just felt like there's something, I, there's an evergreen thing that I need to do beyond just picking up the garbage. And um, my wife wanted me to sharpen some knives for her. I'm like, all right. So I, I quit talking to you and I go up to the garage <laughs> and I, I sit at my bench where all my stones and everything are. And I'm like, why aren't I sharpening knives for people? So next door has been my moneymaker. So I just say, hey, I, I, and I'm not doing it as advertising. I don't say, hey, I'll charge you this much to do this thing, this much to do that thing. I, I put things out there. Hey, if you've got a lot of garbage, if you're cleaning out and you need to get stuff sent to the dump, give me a call. I'll be glad to yep. take care of that for you. And I leave it at that. And then people start PMing me, how much do you want? And then that opens the dialogue. Um, I have one girl, God bless her. She uh, she <laughs> called me for three weeks straight 
do you have any room to throw this old mattress on your truck? I don't have any money, but I've got this dirty mattress in my backyard that needs to go. So finally, I had a small load. It was all paid for. And I thought, I'm just going to run over and get that mattress for Knocked on the door, knocked on the door, went to the back door, knocked on that one. I don't see a mattress anywhere and finally gave up. And I don't know whatever happened to her or that mattress, but she never messaged me again. But you know, I was just trying to be a good guy, take care of people in the community. I get it. But, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> but yeah, it's been uh, it's been kind of a good thing with the knife part. So people started calling me and I, I did this in October prior to mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. And I said, hey, if you're thinking about buying new knives for uh, for your Thanksgiving meal, let me have your old ones. I'll put a nice edge on them. Just give me a call. That's oh, cool. my God. And it went nuts after that. And I had more knives than I could sharpen. And so my price is $7.50 a blade and then yep. $7.50 for a delivery fee. But I have a wicked edge system, and I can put a sharp edge on a knife in about six minutes. What? 10 knives. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I'm always working toward that hundred dollar an hour goal. That's, that's always my goal. So that's, that's kind of where it went. I love that 750 delivery fee because number one, you know, even for a single knife, you're going to make 15 bucks, yep. but people, okay. So you've got that add on fee, which is great. But what that does is that encourages people to haul out every friggin' knife they got in the house so they don't have to pay $7.50 twice, you know, for the next time. And all of a sudden, you get an armload of knives to do. That, oh, yep. Dan, that's genius. I love it. <laughs> but that that was you. I, and I ran that by you. Go look through the uh, messages we had. And yep. I'm like, what, what about this? And you're like, yeah, go do it. And we did it. And I started having my garbage people contacting me saying, hey, I see you do knives. Could you come over and grab my knives for me? And mm. then... The funniest one was, uh, and he's he actually had me do some for him this weekend. There's a guy in the next town over. He resells my services. So he charges $10 a knife, and I've moved my prices up to $8.50 a knife. But okay. he charges $10 a knife, so he makes a buck on it, and then I make a buck on it. I told him, I don't care what you do. You're fine. That's awesome. Well, and then you're kind of extending your services to another area. And so does he just bring you a bunch or do you go pick them all up at once or how does it work? Usually it's a block at a time. So I'll okay. just, you know, every few days I go over and he's got a block of knives and there'll be eight or nine in there. So it's always worth my time. Oh yeah. So I never thought, so it's usually like whatever somebody has sitting on their kitchen counter, all those knives, they just bring the whole holder and everything. Yep. That is handy. And then I had one lady, she asked me to come over to get three knives. Okay. And she was very sweet, an elderly lady. And I picked up the knives, took them home, did my thing, took them back. She goes, okay, this is really good. And um, I have these other knives. And she gave me like 20, 20 more knives. She was testing me. Oh. But she wanted to make sure that the three that I gave her, I didn't jank them up. So, yeah. Yep. And and I use stone. So I don't use like uh, the uh What's that belt thing where you oh. run them across a belt? Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. I love that. That's funny. So another 20 and then, so are you still booked solid with knives at this point or is, uh, is not this week, but I okay. will be next week and yep. going on and on. Every time I put a next door ad, it's at least five sets of knives. Okay. Do you remember? So I never, the first thing I thought of when you, you, you mentioned this was, so Again, when I talk, a lot of times I talk about having a horrible, no good, very bad day or whatever. Do you remember when you messaged me 
when Nextdoor deleted your ad? They deleted my account. Yeah. Do you want to share that? So I got your, but you you share it. It'd be better if you share it. So. Oh, so there I am at Chick-fil-A. My wife said, this will take five minutes and I'm there for 45. So while I'm waiting for 45 minutes, I'm looking at my Nextdoor stuff. It literally in that line, all my Nextdoor stuff is just gone. I'm like trying to reply. Everything is gone. And all, and this is one of the things that you and Jack always talk about is get the database, get the customer name, get the phone numbers. I was foolish and I left it all out there. Lost everything, all my customers, everything that was out there was gone. And so I, I spent weeks just trying to get back on next door. So when I would try to create an account, they say, well, there's already too many people at this address registered to next door. So therefore you cannot register uh, with us. That shut my lights out for a month. Wow. I had such a good cadence going on. And so um, now the book's downstairs, but I have a book. And in the back of this book is every single customer, every single phone number, everything that I can that I can remember about the customer gets written down in that book, even though I still have it in text messages and all that. And some of them and uh, some of the other side hustles that I've got going on, I just have them like, an elderly lady named Nora. I know that she always wants me to trim her burning bush. <laughs> yep. So her name is Nora Burning Bush. So I check in on her every three months and then I go trim her bushes. That is awesome. So did you ever find out why Nextdoor deleted you or what happened? It, I, I have no idea why. I, I assume that it was because they thought that I was advertising, but I'm I'm not really sure 100% on that. So, and what did you learn from that? Basically, you know, keep, keep good records or. Yes. Yeah. Keep your own records. Yep. Were you able, I remember, if I remember going back, you had, you even had a few jobs lined up. Did you, that you lost? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you able yep. to. Well, one of them was a huge wood splitting job. So I've got a, a 37 ton wood splitter. Oh, and, <laughs> okay. and people call me and they're like, oh, you sharpen knives. Cool. Come and get my knives. Oh, you got a wood splitter. How about $300 worth of wood splitting back here? All you got to do is split it and stack it. Take me an hour. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the biggest ones that I lost. Let me bring this up. You can, uh, because I, I'm a big believer that social media is what you make it, right? <laughs> Pretty admit <laughs> next door is definitely Karen central. Yep. So how do you, so what have you, cause okay. Next door isn't nearly as big in Canada. I've looked at, it, I've looked to set it up and it's just not you. So for me, it's still Facebook community groups, right? But yeah. what have been your tips that you've learned on next door along the way that's made it easier, better? There's really nothing that I've learned other than just keep it as a non-business thing. Just keep it as a personal thing. And every, every few months I'll, I'll just tell people, thank you for the opportunity to serve in case they haven't seen something. So one, one of my big uh, side hustles is cutting down decorative grasses. And I'll, I'll say something about, you know, thank you for letting me serve you all this year. I cut down all these decorative grasses and now they're not going to blow all through the winter. And then I'll get somebody a DM me that says, oh, I didn't know you did decorative grasses. What do you charge? And it, it, again, it's cheap. It's $6.50 plus dump fees. Yep. And whether it's that big around or that big around, it's $6.50. And people are just glad to have me do it. That's the stuff. So I haven't, I mean, it's not huge around here, but kind of looks like wheat or something, is it, that sits about yeah. yay high. And then yeah. if, if, if you don't kill it or you don't get rid of it, it just stays there all winter and does its thing. If, 
If it doesn't get everywhere, it's in everybody's yard. Yeah. Ah, cool. Well, see, isn't that you got all these little niches that work and, you know, do you do do much with the wood splitting? Uh, Not as much as I want to, uh, but it is backbreaking work. So I I don't mind that it's hit and miss. I I have enough other opportunities that the wood splitting is not a big one for me. Have you ever had to hire help at all? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Yes, I hired my, oh my God, the worst jobs I ever did. I hired my wife and my son to help me. (laughs) How'd that go? (laughs) Horrible. It was the hottest day in August and burning bush lady she says i want everything chopped and then i want all these trees trimmed i want all these weeds pulled etc and then while i'm doing that another lady uh, her name was sharon she says i've got all these weeds that are in my flower bed what would you charge me to to pull up the weeds mm-hmm. and i asked for the measurement of the bed she gave it to me i said how about 175 dollars perfect well first off my son was hung over so that didn't help my wife She just, her heart wasn't in it, but she just, we just wanted to hang out together. Yeah. So we get through that first job. We get everything dumped. We go to the second job. She didn't tell us it was a 45 degree kind of embankment where all Uh. of the weeds were into a pond. And so we were sliding through gravel the whole time, pulling weeds and all that. And she says, oh, by the way, since you're already down there, I have these three plants. Go ahead and plant those for me. Thank you. Here's a check. And we didn't get to talk about what this is going to cost to increase it, but that was the worst. Oh, yeah. You haven't worked for her again, probably, have you? No, no. No. That's how it goes. They they like me. A lot of the elderly folks like me, and it's kind of weird because I've got that niche because I'm very honest. But whenever I kill weeds, I don't take um, glycosophate or anything out there. I take the vinegar, Dawn on Epsom salt mixture and I spray that on the weeds and then I go back two weeks later and I spray it again to make sure all the weeds are killed. So it's it's kind of a little niche market though with the elderly, but they like it. They appreciate it. Have you found the vinegar salt? Um, have you found that's been effective for you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I use really? it all the time. Yep. I have to try it because I was talking to a lady today about it and I honestly, I, I don't know if it's just our area, but in general, the weeds have become quite resistant to Roundup, period. And I, th- I mean, this is a farm community. So, I mean, there's an overuse of glyphosate. I can never pronounce it properly. Anyway, and it seems like they're just, yeah, it, nothing. They're getting more and more resistant to it. So it would be fun or nice to be able to try a more natural approach to it. Yeah, I do about every two months. I have a, um, a wrought iron fence. And so I don't want the weed eater up against that, or weed whipper, as yeah, you call it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I go up underneath the fence and kill the uh, all the grass and everything under that. And every couple of months, I have to do it, and it works perfectly for me. Wow. The rabbits get pissed off because they're running around with salt and, and vinegar on them, but other than that, it's okay. Absolutely. And Martinson family asked about 2,4-D, and I've I, I've used that a little bit. And uh, um, PAR-3 is a, a common one we use up here because it's a selective herbicide, but... Mm-hmm. A lot of people in our community uh, doesn't, uh, you know, uh, and I get it totally fine. It just in this area, they use it. And Chris says, try it, Tim. You won't go back and you can make it hotter if you need to. Okay. Yep. Well, you guys have me convinced. Do, do you have, um, you should send me if you have, a, do you have a mix ratio for it or anything? Yeah, I sure do. Okay. You mind sending that along to me? I will do that. Yep. Cool. Was that Chris yeah, Nixon? You, what's that? 
Was that Chris Dixon that just popped up? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the man. <laughs> I can't, a little funny thing. Um, he, we were watching one of your uh, live streams one time, and my wife, uh, Chris, he just comments a lot. We kept looking. It's like that looks like your dad. And so we we uh, we had it uh, running up on our sixty five inch TV, and so finally we got up there and looked. It's like he's Caucasian. He's not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he's he, he's in in the ballpark of our age too, so he's not you yeah. know. But he yeah, and he's, he's he says 50. he's not fifty, right? Yes, I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure if that anyway. Well, I won't give him too bad of a uh, too hard of a time tonight, but yeah, but yeah, he's always doing like we are. Always got a job or three or six on the go, and that's awesome. And I've seen some of his videos too. He's he's oh. had a couple on YouTube. I've seen. Oh, and his are yeah. He's got great. Um, hacks and trip tricks and tips you know he sent me some that are great so and he he was the first guy i i love um bragging him up but he's the first guy that i've that i met in real life from our you know prepping and homesteading and um you know entrepreneurship communities online so it was really cool he come up didn't i mean he watched my videos but i didn't know him from adam and he said i'm coming through do you want to meet for a coffee real quick and a what 10 minute coffee turned into I can't remember two or three hours out in a freezing cold garage. So it was a good time. <laughs> well, you were just down in Tennessee and I was in Cumberland, Kentucky. And I, I finally looked up where Nicole's was. We could have, we were just an hour apart from each other, but God, oh. one for schedules. It'd been great to sit down and had a beer with you. I know. And there was so many people I would have loved to met up with. Like uh, my buddy, Ted, he's been a follower since day one, but he was just like, he was, I think, two or three hours away from me in Daytona. And when you've only got so many days, it's just tough, you know, but yeah, and you're, you're a celebrity now. So oh. it's not like your time is your own. <laughs> no, we, we had fun. It, I, I would, yeah, hundred percent recommend to anybody to do an in-person meet and greet, like a, a meetup. Um, I, I come out of there as jazzed as anybody like motivated with all kinds of ideas. So it's for everyone. You go in. Yeah. If you want to get your batteries recharged and, you know, try to find more things to do with your, you know, minuscule time. It's, it's the way to do it for sure. You know, Jack, uh, he, when he changed everything up just shortly after you came aboard the expert council, mm -hmm. he changed things up and then he started doing all the live stream and all that. And I really didn't think that it was flowing as well as it should be, but boy, it, it really got its cadence and he's kind of got everything just smoothed out really, really well now. And the thing that I was worried about is that we would lose the expert council piece. Because oh. that, that, that is where I get the biggest bang, you know, just getting that extra look at things. So I'm, I'm glad he kept things like that. But and, and I think most of us that follow you probably uh, learned of you through Jack. Is, would that be an accurate statement? I would say for sure. Uh, yeah, I, it would be fun to definitely like the, the, the close followers and the people who've been around since the beginning, for sure. Uh, and I, I've got quite a few that have come by through the Prepper Broadcast Network as well now which is oh, yeah. for me. That's really cool. But yes, for sure. I mean, I thank Jack, uh, you know, to me, he helped me build my online presence. Like he supercharged it, right? I was chugging along, chugging along. And when I asked him if I could be part of the, you know, the expert council and, you know, he could have said yes or no. And he said, I'll give you a shot. Well, he, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if he knows how much he actually did for me, but it was huge. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, somebody mentioned um, in the comment I saw come up yeah. a minute ago about 24D. Yeah. Uh, the 24D for the Broadleaf. Yeah. The Martinson family. Yeah. Um, 
I, I've used the 2,4-D before, uh, but that's usually just for like clover and dandelions and things like that in the front yard. I don't kill anything in my backyard, whatever wants to grow there. God put it there, let it grow. But I try to keep the front yard looking nice for the missus. But uh, 2,4-D usually just does it for the broadleaf stuff for us. I don't, I don't do it for anything else, really. So it, that's when we were talking about uh, killing weeds and all that, like yeah. around the um, uh, fence line. That's all grass. So uh, that's why I use the uh, vinegar, Dawn, and Epsom salts. Martins and family's a, a fellow flatlander Canadian. Uh, they're from uh, him and her. They're, they're from uh, Manitoba, so not too far away. The, the other tail end of the prairies. So I was going to ask you, when I, I'm pretty sure, and if I'm misremembering this, you can tell me, but when you first got started, were you, I think we had a conversation about you being quite busy and you and the missus trying to figure out scheduling. Is that right? Or was that ever... Maybe, maybe it wasn't, and if, but did you ever have the point where you're getting too busy with your side yes. hustle? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 has been problematic, and yeah, that was kind of one of the reasons why I took her along on that job that went abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> so have but, you found a way to balance that out, or what? What? What do you? Yeah, I I was so excited whenever I first started and having all the success that I had, and couldn't believe all the success that I had had. So. I, I've kind of tampered that down. Now it's, it's it's run of the mill. It's just an everyday thing. But yeah, when it's something new and there's a lot of shine on it still, you're just out there just killing it and you're making money. But there was uh, one day she said, well, we need to go to the bank machine. And I said, no, we don't. Yeah, we, we've got it. It was something we was going to and she needed a couple hundred bucks. I said, it, it, we were getting ready to pull out of the driveway. And I said, just go in there to my toolbox, second drawer. There's a stack of money there. Uh, and it was from all the side hustles. It was great. It felt so good, you know, being able to do that. Just pure cash. What did, uh, did, did, I mean, I'm sure she knew you were making money, but was, was she pleasantly surprised for sure? Yes. yes yeah, definitely. And uh, we, we had talked about this prior to, but uh, my wife has a uh, connection where she's able to help me get tools at a very inexpensive cost, but still there was a cost to them. Yep. So, and you and I are both, we both bleed black and yellow. So um, that kind of gives you a, a hint. <laughs> but every time I would get it, I, I'd want a tool and I'm like, okay, I got to find a job for that first. So I get the job and then, okay, I'm going to buy all these tools. So poor $500 worth of tools, they'd show up. I go do a job paid for zero cost to me. I love it. I mean, and tools get addictive too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get, but I, I don't know, lately I've been at a point where, I don't know. I, you, I mean, could you always buy new tools? Sure. But it's nice to buy them when you're buying them for a job. Right. You don't feel like you're just feeding your little thing. Exactly. I wanted to throw this up here, see what you thought. Uh, Freedom Media Course says, I have two acres of woods, a lot of it on the ground, tempted to offer local people $10 for a trunk or truck bed full of wood to burn in their outdoor fire pits. Would that yeah. be a cut it, is cut that, it yourself thing, I'm guessing? Is that lower 48 or is that in Canada? I mean, we got to figure out what kind of money we're talking about here. That is true because ten dollars American is like, you know, what uh, nine hundred Canadian? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the uh, we also pay the I don't even know what you call it the Canadian tax. So basically, even after exchange, we still tend to pay like twenty to thirty percent more for stuff. Yeah, it's that's insane. Yeah. But if 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 I was somebody who just wanted I wanted to cut my own wood and you offered me to fill my truck up for 10 bucks. Oh God. Yeah. 
definitely in Chicago. Yeah. 10 bucks. I'd take that all day long, fill up my truck and go and then split it. Absolutely. I think you could probably charge more than that, to be yeah, honest. Probably I, could. I, you know, I'm always that. What, what's Jack's? Well, two things I learned from him, but, you know, always be a little uncomfortable with your price. Yep. And, um, you know, I maybe I don't know if he said this one or not, but one of my mantras I've come up with is if I'm getting about 50% of the jobs I'm bidding, that's my sweet spot. I feel like my pricing yeah. is just right where I want it to be. I'll pick up and chop themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would do that. I take that deal every day. I used to pay for eight foot lengths of um, softwood. It was like $110 a cord dropped off in my yard and it was just, it was junk. You know, I, I had to cut it all up myself. So yeah, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> says they got four Rottweilers. So need to know when people are showing up. I think <laughs> dogs will let you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And why not put it on? I, mean, I guess you can't advertise it on, but you could, I'm sure you could do a low key kind of next door or Craigslist or Facebook yeah. thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I see on next door all the time. And there, there's a lot of money out there for things like that. So our daughter, she, uh, she heats with wood. And so just looking for anybody that's got a down tree, I'll, I'll cut that up, take it away for you for free, because I'm not going to have to pay somebody 85 bucks to take some shit wood and put yep. it in the backyard. And that's what always happens. It, you'll get limbs, you know, that big around, about that long. And then she's got to deal with that. So that that's how I've been doing it. That's yeah. I love it. And a lot of times I get uh, sometimes before I just picked up a wood burning stove, but before that I would get paid to cut up a tree. And on occasion, I would have that wood sold before it was unloaded from my truck. So, nice. yeah, doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And if you want to advertise, you can do it all day. Yeah. So I, we didn't talk about this or you didn't have it in your notes, but whatever. I mean, uh, you know, I talk about repairedness quite a bit and you mm -hmm. were kind enough to send me your maintenance schedule. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little? I know it's a little outside, yeah. but whatever. I don't care. I love it. So, yeah. Tell yeah. me what you how your thing goes like that. Well, this initially started with a generator. Yes. So I wired in a generator into my home, the last home that I was in, and I put the uh, the manual switch. Uh, all that was beautiful. Yep. And so I bought a 10,000 uh, surge, 8,000 generator. Got it from Costco and Generac was a brand, which okay. is you know pretty popular. A lot of people have it. Yep. So we're uh the piano player from our church he's over for dinner one evening and we're just having a nice chat and then boom everything goes out got a big storm coming through so i go out and i push the electric start nothing happens I'm like crap so i just start pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling it doesn't work i was out there for a half an hour trying to pull this thing and it never worked ended up taking it back to costco got another one put it all together everything's fine we had another outage I didn't do anything before that. So pulling, 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 battery's dead again. Same thing. Took it back to Costco, got my money, and I ordered a Briggs & Stratton online. Shows up, another 10000 8000 I swore that I would never make that mistake again. So every single month, actually my checklist, it pops up on my calendar and it says, you know, the first day of the month, generator check, 2 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so I go out and I just start the generator, make sure everything's okay. And from that grew an entire PM list that I do now. So I do uh, my wife's car, um, check tires, 
check all the fluids, check the oil, make sure you know it's not going to uh, be up for an oil change soon. Do the same thing with the truck, same thing with the motorcycle, and then furnace filters. Just mm-hmm. anything you can think of, I have thrown into that list, and so it's just become kind of a thing now that I have. Gosh, what what was it? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. A page and a half. Yeah, I think so. EM items that I do now, but I do it every single month and it's, it's kind of fun. I usually just round it off to a Saturday and go out and play with the cars and do my thing. And that, so what I think is cool about that too, I didn't know this part of it, but you weren't, so you weren't born organized like that, or at least, uh, (laughs) because I wasn't either. Right. Uh, And I guess as we get older, you know, us, the old men and us, we eventually, you know, kind of take the list and things like that, but that's cool. So there's hope for people who are absolutely hopeless when it comes to scheduled maintenance, eh? Yeah, you got to feel the pain. Yes. Once you feel the pain, it's like, okay, this shit's not going to happen to me again. Right. And then it's like, well, and that's exactly what I said. And then, fuck, another storm. Oh, sorry. Shoot, oh, no, another storm. Oh, I'm no, seriously, don't worry about that. <laughs> so you do it twice, and it's like, why am I so stupid that I didn't yep. have this figured out? So third time's a charm, I guess. No, I... I, I had a beautiful uh, socket set one time when after Becky and I had first got married and I was just a complete lazy ass. I was, I won't lie. I it was a beautiful set, cost me a lot of money. I left it out in the rain and the whole thing got rusted and not just for a day. Like I left it for probably a month or two, right? Because I just, I, whatever, wasn't thinking, ruined it. And so for Christmas, I asked uh, for another set and she said, are you going to ruin this one? Of course that, you know, that, that's the way to get you. Right. And I said, Probably. no, honey. And you know what? That was 12, 13 years ago. And those sockets, other than the scratch marks from what, you know, they're the exact same, you know, the plastic case is finally starting to crack a little, but yeah, maintenance is important. Oh yeah. Big time. One of the things that I I hear you talking about a lot is you can go to Harbor Freight and get this thing and it's this price and you love your trips to Harbor Freight. I hear you talking about it a lot. That was one of the things that I really had to justify is using Harbor Freight because it's such cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I'm using it once, I, I'm a cry once or buy once, cry once guy. Me too. But yep. Some of the things that I started looking at at Harbor Freight, the price of them versus how much I'm going to use them. And then if I go buy the same Chinese made piece of garbage from Lowe's or home depths despot, I think is the, what they call <laughs> yep. it. It's, it's all made in China. So, yep. you know, I've, I've had to just kind of justify that in my mind that it's okay to buy these tools because you're not going to find an American made version of it. You can pay more, but it's still not made in America or yeah. Canada. Well, well, yeah, good luck finding anything made in Canada. But I, like I, when I was so, you know, I made my first couple of trips there recently and it was fun because we, we've got like a Harbor Freight knockoff up here called Princess Auto. And it's the same thing. So when I was at Harbor Freight in the States, they had a cordless drain auger. And it was it was quite a long one. It was really nice. And, I, and it wasn't super expensive, but it was too heavy to bring back in the plane. But that's the type of thing, you know, I don't use that often. You know, I, I you know maybe once or twice a year at the most. So it's pretty hard to justify um, buying something. Well, here, okay, here's another one. Uh, a cement cutter. I've looked at that. There's a cordless DeWalt cement cutter. You know, it takes, I think it'll do about a four and a half inch cut right through concrete. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's close to a grand if you buy it with batteries and I would, don't get me wrong. I would love to have that, but I can rent a good quality one (laughs) 20 times or maybe 10 times at least for that. Or I can go buy an electric one from Princess Auto for $200 
that I'll use once or twice a year. So it's hard to justify spending that grand on a beautiful tool when, like you said, you can go buy a, a cheap import. I know if you're going to use it all the time, yeah, buy once, cry once. But if you're not, yeah, go ahead and buy something cheap. Yeah, I, I have a real hard time with a lot of stuff. Like I, I bought a jackhammer and somebody somebody was telling me one day, I need to get a jackhammer. I've got to bust this whole thing out. I'm like, I, I got you. No problem. Yep. You're like, you seriously own your own jackhammer? It's like, yeah, I got that. Yeah. But, you know, I've, I've bought so many big tools and it's that's not a Harbor Freight cheap thing or anything like that. But what I started realizing with a lot of those purchases is they take up space. So I have this big garage and it's starting to fill up with a lot of stuff. That sucks. <laughs> I did that yeah. with, a, I started buying things like a, a tiller and I was looking at a walk behind aerator and I'm like, you know what? I only use that shit twice a year tops. Right. And the other 363 days, I trip over it. I move it. It's in my way. I have to winterize it, unwinterize it. I sold it all. I go and rent it twice a year. You know, I, I rented the um, the aerator the other day. I, I think it cost me, I rent it for half a day. I only had two jobs to do right at the time. It cost me $42. So the first job paid for it in the first quarter of the job. You know, so yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of having big stuff in the way all the time. It, it's It's hard. I mean, I do have a pretty good size area, but yeah, it's 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 okay to have it, but I don't really want to have it all the time. Uh, Freedom or, Media Corp said, for you handymen, put a monthly or quarterly list together of home maintenance or yard maintenance and offer it as a package deals with coupons. I like that. Yeah. I could sell my <laughs> list, Tim. Yeah, well, I was just thinking that we could, uh, yeah, well, you could just even just put a list together and help people get organized even. That would be great. But if, if I may sidebar a little yeah, housekeeping thing, how many people uh, do these live streams with us? How many do we have online with us? Right now, uh, so we, we maxed out at 12 right at the moment. Um, I Mine, uh, I think my, my record is 20. Well, no, sorry. The one I had with Nicole, we had 30 some. But just for me, 22, 25 in that range. Yeah. And we'll, so my Thursday show recently had, um, in the first seven days, had 1,000 listens. Holy so, cow. Yeah, I'm. That's my goal for the year. Now that that's also including the downloads from the Prepper Broadcast Network, so they've helped me a lot with that. But you know, um, this one will probably, you know, in a week, three to four hundred listens for sure. And yeah, oh, go ahead. The, the couple that God, this was a month and a half ago, mm -hmm. and you you put on Telegram, hey, I'm going to be on this show, and it was a husband and wife. She's got red hair. I thought I remember that, and they and they vape all the time. Yep. That was the most fun that I've ever seen on a live stream. I love those guys. So they're called Liberty Late Night. And I just lined them up. They're coming on the show. I uh, might, I don't know, July. I'm booked out almost three months for interviews. So it's like July or early August. They're coming on. So they do um, a Sunday night movie night as well, where they just, they spin a wheel and they pick some random 80s movie to watch with their crew, you know? So they're going to come on Sunday night. We're going to, I think we'll move the show a half hour early. They're going to do a live stream with me. Then we're going to go over and do their movie night. And I, I, I got a little, uh, more than buzzed that night hanging out with them. Cause it was like, it was three hours or more. Yeah. I, I was trying to keep up. I, oh my God. And then I told my wife, I, I'm like, you know, I've, I've got one eye scotch tape and I'm holding the other one up just so I don't only see one thing. And I'm like, okay, we got to go to bed. She's like, no, I want to keep watching this. And 
yeah, we were on there from the time you went live until well after that. We we just kept going with this thing. It was a great time, a great atmosphere. They're fun. I I love that. The the after party gets like that sometimes, but maybe not quite as laid back. And I don't know if you saw, but last week, I know we're sidebarring here, guys, but it doesn't matter. It's my show. We can sidebar, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, Fireside Freedom on Thursday, on Tuesday night, we just had Nate and Aaron on. We just joined them. We we did an episode called Raking the Coals and that uh, raking them over the coals where we just, they didn't know the questions. We just asked them. That's the most fun I've had in a live stream in a long time. We just, we yeah, we laughed and laughed and laughed. That's It's a good time. And I don't know if anyone else got to be a part of that or not. But when I saw that and I, I had nothing going on, it was at the right time of night. And then my wife wasn't home. So she came home about an hour and a half into it. And then she was just hooked immediately. And yeah, we, we had a great time. And I was messaging you offline. So yeah, and, and that's what I told you. Yeah, we, we want to go to bed. She won't let me, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was too much. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Those guys are. Yeah, we we met through float. I do you use float at all, Dan. I don't No. It, whatever, you know, it's just another alt social media platform, but I love it. Uh, they've had some growing pains since they did the recent update, but overall, either, uh, yeah, Aaron and Kinsley that run it, they're just awesome. Yeah. Oh, they are. I, I've heard a lot of interviews with it. Well, Jack had a real good with them not too long ago. Um, but my social, and I don't know how uh, most people roll, but my social is, is basically down to the necessities. And I started limiting notifications and things. I just, I don't need the distraction in my life. I've got so much work I got to do, so much work yeah. I want to do. And so I I try to keep that distraction out of my life as much as possible. It, it's tough. Ah, it's a hard balance for me, as you can imagine. Mm. You know, oh, I get on as a content creator. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can get lost. Like you could spend all day, every day interacting with people if you wanted to. But then you're never going to get anything done in real life. And I, the summer's a lot harder for me. Winter, I, you know, other than snow and, you know, but summer's tough because I, I love to be outdoors doing things and yeah. to try to find, yeah. So it'll be, I'll be a little, little more scarce, but the, you know, it'll still be my three episodes a week and videos. And so I was going to pick your brain a little bit. We still got, are you sure. still good for a few more minutes? I'm good for uh, until 11 o'clock. So I got another oh, hour. Okay. Yay. Oh, here we go. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get Ronald's question first and then I'll pick your sure. brain on something else. Uh, how do you use social to advertise your side hustles? He might've come in a little late, but you can just chat a little more about what, what you did. Yeah. We, um, is he in the lower 48 or do you I know that? So I can't remember Ronald, if you want to throw in the comments where you're from, but I but believe so. I, I strictly use next door. My, my social media presence is very, very limited. So uh, next door just be kind of uh, became kind of a thing for me, and then after that it's been word of mouth. And mm -hmm. the big thing for me was in some of the um, the elderly folks. Uh, poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, um, the uh, the folks in the elderly community just pass your name around, and one, once you do a good job in one place, then everybody just refers you, and you can take over an entire subdivision if you just treat them right and you do a good job for them the first time. That's awesome. Yeah. I did basically the same thing, except I used Facebook. You know, when, yeah. when we first started, uh, Becky wasn't working at the time. So it was great. She'd jump on every single job she would see somebody, Hey, we need this. We need that. And she wouldn't even ask me. She'd just say, yep, my husband can do that. And then I, <laughs> I'd go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Here's a book you've got oh. to read. This essentialism. 
Oh, it's, yeah. Tell me about that's it. the title. Essentialism. Basically, it's a book that teach you, teaches you how to say no without feeling guilty. Because I get so covered up in opportunities and things that I can do. that, And now I'm to the point where it's like, I need to take the right opportunities. I need to take the essential opportunities that actually, oh, that's the name of the book, the, the opportunities that actually matter to me and that I could do. I don't, I don't need to take the, you know, the, the silly stuff and hope to God that I can get it done. I want to take the job that I know that I'm going to do quickly, um, expeditiously, um, expense wise, I'm going to, I'm going to meet the budget. So those are the things that I'm really striving for is to be able to do it right and do it profitable. Did you find that was a hard transition from going, going from saying yes to everything to then starting to say only yes to the things that work for you? Even today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my IT company that I had, mm -hmm. uh, my wife told me you, you're too cheap and <laughs> it's going to hurt you in the long run because you take too many jobs. And it really did hurt me because I didn't know my value in the market. So taking tips from her, cause she's the smartest woman. She's the yep. smartest person I know. That's awesome. But taking tips from her along those lines, I now know my value in the market. And then when I start seeing people telling me this guy, he did this job for me and it was a great job. You need to take him for this. That makes me feel a little bit better. So maybe a little um, lack of self-confidence because this is new for me. But the big thing is, is finding your value, knowing your value and being able to charge people accordingly. It's tough. It And it feels... I, I'm, I, I won't lie. I still, even to this day, I still struggle with that a bit because I, you know, I, I made a living, you know, I built my entire business on again, doing anything for er, anyone. And yeah. it, that doesn't work in my business anymore. <laughs> you know, I, it just doesn't. And it, it is tough because you, you know, you're, you're, I think I'm a bit like you. I, I like to say, yes, I like people. I like to treat them well, but it just doesn't eventually you, like you said, you got to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. My uh, my father-in-law is a master carpenter. He's uh, he's out in Los Angeles. Okay. And back in the downturn of 08, um, he ended up losing his job. Very secure job he had had for so many years, making all these custom cabinets. And here he is in his 60s at that point, And he didn't know what to do. So he just started a handyman business. Nice. And he's 77 now. Okay. And still, he, he doesn't, he, he selects the jobs that he wants. He doesn't take the jobs, you know, trying to cut the side off of a trailer and put an addition on it, which mm -hmm. I actually went to, with him to bid that exact job. Now <laughs> he takes the jobs that he wants to because he's established, he knows his value and does a very good job at it. But yeah, you know, 77 years old and he still climbs on a roof every single day. Because he, he loves it, right? He loves it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel the same way. I mean, yeah, I love my property management and content creation. I like I, I've I've posted that meme a few times where you know if you if you build the right life you don't need to retire you have no interest in retiring and some sure. people you know the people who maybe aren't into that kind of thing they you know they sigh and roll their eyes and like yeah whatever no it's true if you love it what is. you do why would you want to give it up yep I mean that's farmers we there's farmers here that farm until the day they drop dead you know they're 90 years old they can barely get on a horse if they're a rancher you know whatever and they they still do it every day because they love it. It's good. It's it's a good life. And, and that's the thing. You, you 
when you're in the corporate world, you have a work-life balance. That's what everybody says. I need a work-life balance to work here. And right. so these culture things and these surveys that are driving into companies, how do we get a better work-life balance? You don't do that whenever you're working for yourself. You're, you're doing it every day. Yep. You're doing it. You get to develop that. Uh, maybe it's more of a life work balance when you're your own boss. Yeah. That, that's what I like because yeah, I, I get to choose what I want to do. I choose, I work as hard as I want or not as hard as I want. And it it is hard. Like it takes years to come up to get to that point where you're, comfortable with that because i mean that nine to five working for the man thing that does something to your brain for a lot yeah it requires you what one of the things um i I was thinking about this as as we were getting ready to do this today and i thought if anybody ever asked me what's the biggest tip i could give them if they started a company Mm -hmm. not not a side hustle but if you start a company what's the biggest tip i could give you to help you the most hire an accountant yes hire a good accountant. They're worth their weight in gold because that was probably one of the biggest problems I had was my accounting and and the uh, business I had for 10 years. And I probably spent tons more time than I needed to doing my own books, hire an accountant. Yep. I, you don't have to argue with me. For me, it's even other things. Uh, I've I've discovered Fiverr. I love to brag up Fiverr to a lot of people. Fiverr? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, so like I, I was the type of guy for years would spend, you know, three, three, like a three day weekend, you know, doing a couple of logos and I'd be done with them and they'd be okay. But I can literally hire somebody on Fiverr for $40 US to develop the best logo you're ever going to find. They do it in 15 minutes. Yep. And oh, we just did one for Becky's daycare. My, my intro to my channel, same thing. And it's always $40, $50 and it's done and it's done right. And it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's no, like I was, so at Christmas time, I, I'd already had them develop my logos, but my intro, and I was I was trying to do it myself and I spent a day doing it and I looked at it and I'm like, this is hot dog shit. This is awful. <laughs> you know, like it just was. And I'm like, no, I, I just spent, you know, say eight hours, right? And if you use the hundred dollars an hour, like anyway, not that I was necessarily going to work for somebody for eight hours, but I could have. And so for 50 bucks, I put it on five or three days later, I had an incredible video intro and it was done. Like, yeah, yeah, you spend, spend money on things you don't want to do and spend your time on the things you, that make you the most money. Yeah. We, we live that. We absolutely live that. My wife and I both. Uh, we, we've both been entrepreneurs for a long time, and that's just if if it's more beneficial to pay somebody to do it, pay somebody to do it. Absolutely, but that's hard to learn, especially because you you said you grew up in poverty, right? You know, yep. as far as yeah, and I I grew up in a you know reasonably well-to-do home, but you know our marriage, Becky and I, first decade of marriage, we were broke as a joke. So that that's hard to change that mindset too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. When you have scrapped for everything for so long, it really is hard to change the mindset. You always feel like it don't matter how many years, you always feel like that rug's still going to be pulled out from under you a little bit. It's like, ah, you know. There there was a uh, a young man in that little town yep. who asked me to mentor him. And I did. And I okay. had a great time with him. And we still we still continue on. But he said, I am struggling because I'm in this position. He, he felt like a, a turtle on a fence post. Yep. You don't belong there. You don't know how you got there. 
but somebody else did it and it wasn't of your doing. Mm -hmm. And he says, I am struggling with imposter syndrome. Oh. And that was one of the hardest things is trying to get somebody that's in this very successful position in life to understand and accept the fact you, 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 you're not a turtle on a fence post. You, you actually got there on your own. You did all these things on your own. Um, yeah, very, very difficult situation uh, with, when somebody doesn't believe in themselves. Somebody doesn't, um, they don't have somebody pushing them. And uh, uh, I can't think of the word, but uh, elevating them to the, the purpose that they are. Absolutely. I, and again, like where I came from, it, it almost feels you, you, for a long time, you feel like you're bragging when you become confident in yourself and you're, mm -hmm. you finally accept that, yeah, okay. I am what I am. You know, I am what people say about me. It takes years to come around on that because you, you feel, you know, for a long time, you just feel like, oh, nah, I'm not supposed to be, especially growing up on the East coast where I grew up, you know, you're, you're never, nobody ever brags about anything they do, or, you know, they're never confident in what they do. That's just the whole Nova Scotia mindset is, you know, you're, you're chill and laid back and you, you never, you never put it out there. So it, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That I get it. So what about, um, I was going to ask you, um, we talked about your repairedness schedule and that kind of thing, but, um, and you're involved in your church. You were teaching a prepper group for a while. Are you still doing yeah. that? Not really. No, nope, that's but, okay. So two years, uh, we, we put into this prepper thing that we did with them and everybody, it was basically people showing up and saying, okay, tell me what I need to buy. And so they're <laughs> making this list. But there was this one young lady, I, I hope no one from the church is listening, but there was this one young lady that she said, how do I make a plan? And that, that really, really got to me. Yeah. She wanted to know what are the things I need to do, not what are the things I want to buy? Because everybody's like, okay, I'm going to get a gun and I'm going <laughs> to get some rice. I'm going to get some beans and I'll be I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But no she just wanted to know how do I make this plan? And she already knew what she was trying to do. She was trying to get from here to her dad's house and then ultimately to their bug out location. Nice. And we, we worked on um, every single thing you can think of. And, you know, a lot of things that were inspired uh, from Jack that came yeah. up from there, especially those little bite-sized things that I could spend a lot of time on. So I would spend time on those things, but, the great thing about it is I was able to break it down to train derailments, tornadoes, not the World Economic Forum's coming in. They're going yeah. to put you in a some mind control camp and all that. These these people in this group were very normal thinking people. And so um, a year and a half into it, after things kind of started sliding because I think they got enough of the information that they needed. Sure. Yeah. Um, a year and a half into it, we decided to have kind of a skills thing one night. So I used to do it. It, it started out every single Tuesday. Okay. So we did for a year, every Tuesday, people would just show up and then it started sliding. So I said, all right, the first Tuesday of the month. Yeah. And so we did that for a year and then that finally slid. Mm -hmm. But in the middle of the, um, uh, the second year of it, I said, we're all just going to get together in the back of the church. We're going to build fires. Mm. And we had this one guy. I love him to death. His name's Larry. He took the lace out of his boot, 
wrapped it around a, a piece of stick or twig or whatever, and he just started sawing. That's all he was doing, sawed. He sawed for an hour and a half trying to get a fire started. And then we had other people. They were gathered up pine cones, taking their tools, taking um, whatever was in their bug out bags, trying to make fires out of it. And that was a super cool part. And I, I have this really incredible bug out bag. Everybody wants to see it. They they want to see everything that's in it. But I was able to take like my dryer lint, my um, my waterproof matches, all the things that I do, uh, cotton balls, and on and on and on. But anyway, that got everybody so involved in it, and that really felt good. And I had about thirty people that showed up that that particular night. And I didn't realize how many people, because they were passing. Some would come one week, some come another week. But I didn't realize that we had that big of a reach. And my, my wife and I had touched so many people, teach them how to can, teach them how to put food back and things like that. And that was so important to us to, to realize that impact. It felt wonderful to do that. Man, that's cool. That Yeah. And, you know, those courses, they tend to run. Sometimes it's better to put a, a time cap before you even start. But they run their course and think about, I mean, that's 30 people. If 10% or 20% do something serious with that, I mean, you've just created five or six more preparedness people in your community that aren't going to come exactly. knocking on your door. Good for you, Dan. Yeah. I love it. So one of the things that we're getting ready to, I need to pour a beverage again. Yeah, go for it. I'm, put, I'm putting a herd on it. I don't know if anybody does this. We talked about this earlier. Kirkland, oh. which is a Costco brand, their Canadian whiskey is the finest for $20 US. Sorry about Canada. It's okay. But I absolutely love this. Really good stuff. Yeah, Chris, Dixon, but, before you, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I, after you, Tim. I was going to bring up Chris here. He said, uh, workshops is something not enough people do. And I I've, I think I've mentioned a few times on the show now, but my plan is where we're gradually getting a group in Alberta together. And half the reason I went to Nicole's workshop this year was I plan on having one uh, in uh, summer of 2023. So next summer, we're going to have our first, you know, workshop, workshop. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm excited. It'll happen whether we, you know, we'll have a, a good group, but there's nothing better than in-person meetups, you know? You're right. Yeah. Being able to see how things are done versus just watching it on YouTube or hearing somebody talk about it is totally different. But one of the things that we're getting ready to do, we have we have a real good um, church group. And one of the things that that uh, one of the guys brought up is we need to have an overnighter. And so this has just kind of been ruminating. So late July, we're actually going to do an overnight. So we have a huge four acre I, I mow this thing every week four acres it's huge <laughs> but That's anyway awesome. we're going to do um an overnight camp we're going to do a bonfire and then we have a stage in the middle of it and then we're just going to go through classes and so my wife and uh the other guy who had talked about it um or his father they're going to do canning they're going to show people how to do canning and oh. a quick shout out to my wife she learned how to can and she she was on fire. She canned a half a pig in one year. Wow. Half a pig. Bacon, sausage, ribs, you name it. She canned everything. But 
she loves canning. So yeah, she's, she's going to teach canning classes. Um, we have a lot of goats around here. So we okay. have a goat farmer. It's going to come and show, you know, how to process a goat, how to milk a goat, everything you need to know about a goat. And so all the different things that you need to know and the things that you do with uh, like uh, living free in Tennessee and Jack's thing that he does, yeah. we're going to try to do an overnight thing with the folks from our community. And these are our community. And we have good communication we have we have like a ham tower i mean we've got all that really dialed in nice and tight so there, there's a great community here and i'm located in uh, greenwood indiana south of indianapolis how far is indiana i'm just trying to see so is that is that technically midwest or not really is it more yeah, it's midwest yeah. yep yeah okay because we've got there's so many people like the whole fireside freedom crew I mean, other than me, although I guess I'd be Midwest Canadian. I don't know anyway, but, you know, um, and Nate and Aaron, well, yeah, they're fireside now too, but there's this whole kind of Midwest crew there. There's a lot of people and uh, I, I've been, uh, Amy keeps talking about it and I think she's going to put something together like that. She's in Minnesota. And, Amy Dingman? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you follow Or Yeah. You know, Amy. Yeah. 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 So it'd be good to, uh, I just, I, I, we talk about this a lot on here, but just think about the, uh, the TSP um, family tree. How many people have been, um, I don't know, either started something or, you know, gotten into preparedness because of Jack and then everything kind of funnels down and how many, you know, communities and things that, oh, it's cool. It's really neat. Yeah. 20, oh, I, I would talk about anarchy and Jack just for a minute. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So my relationship virtually with Jack, I, I, I'm so disappointed in myself when I tell this story. So 2014, I, I, I totally latched into what Jack was doing and just everything was just like speaking to me. And I told my wife, Oh, this guy is doing and teaching everything that we're doing. So we're, we are, we're synced up. Everything is perfect. And then, um, funny thing happens. Jack says, I'm an anarchist. <laughs> Click. No joke. Yeah. At least three, four months go by. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with an anarchist. Because the only thing I know an anarchist is, is some asshole that burns down buildings and, you know, yep. fuck shit up. So I don't want anything to do with this guy. And I was on the way to my job at the hospital one time. And I finally turned Jack back on. And... He, he, that day, that day that I turned him back on, this is divine providence, as the Rawls books always say. He starts explaining what uh, divine or divine providence, what anarchy is. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, that, that's me. This yep. is all me. So it, I was that close to turning off Jack forever because I did not know what he was talking about. And then now after I, I hear him explain everything, it's like, yeah, that's me. That's totally me. So basically I, I had been a libertarian for so long and out of the parties for so long that I didn't really know what was going on, but I was looking for something. And then, you know, Jack really spoke to me through all of that. And then getting through all of that is like, wow, I have a community. I have a bunch of people here that I can communicate with that, that think the way that I do and we're, we're kind of one here. It, 
yeah, I, that word anarchist scares the shit out of people because it does. You know, when when I think about anarchy or an anarchist, I think of somebody from an early two thousand, you know, a villain from an early two thousands movie that just wants to ruin all the world governments, and you know, so I use. So if I go to somebody and say, I'm an anarchist, a lot of times it scares the shit out of them. But if I start the conversation by saying, do you think that everybody should, uh, you know, voluntarily enter into contracts or, you know, should everybody have a choice who they want to interact with or not interact with? Most people say, sure. And then you say, well, that's voluntarism. Oh, okay. But you know what else it's called? Anarchy. (laughs) Voluntarism is what saved the whole thing for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Cabot says without rulers, not without rules. And you know what? You can even choose to have a ruler if you want to. That's yeah. your like. And what I love about an- something that I really had to come, you know, come over on with anarchy was, you know, Christians can be anarchists. <laughs> Hard to believe, but a socialist or a communist can actually be an anarchist too. And you know, whatever, right? But I mean, my whole trip was, you know, I grew up in an evangelical household, so I was, uh, you know, a far right conservative for a lot of years, but I had a lot of libertarian leanings that I didn't realize. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a a libertarian, like everybody. What do they say about a libertarian? They're just an anarchist who doesn't know it yet. And uh, and when I started hearing Jack talk about it, I'm like, shit, that is me. Okay. I can live with that. (laughs) Took me a while to stop voting, but yeah, I'm there now. (laughs) No, I'm definitely there now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yep. But that's cool. And I, I love it. And that's I, I've talked. I've said this so many times. But when Becky and I went to Living Free in Tennessee, we met the you know the seventy five other people that were there. We found our tribe, our people. You know, it was like holy shit. We've never had our people like that before, and it's incredible when you like because it's hard to believe. But you know, the left, whatever, whoever they try to say they don't judge, but I've never met a group that judges less than a group of voluntarists or anarchists. Because oh yeah. It, there's, there's no need to. You don't care. I don't care what you do. I don't <laughs> Literally, either. Marry your lawnmower. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's exactly. No big deal. <laughs> if that you love that lawnmower, do it. Yeah, it don't affect the temperature of my hot tub one bit. I don't care. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Jack always says, if if it doesn't change the temperature in my pool, then what do I care? And that's, right. I have a real difficult time dividing my Christian beliefs with my uh, social beliefs. Um, and so in doing this whole exercise and understanding who I really was, the non-aggression principle worked out so well for me. So mm-hmm. uh, a little vulnerability here. I am a total pro-life person. That's okay. And so I had a real hard time with if you're a libertarian or if you're a um, an anarchist, how can you deal with the whole thing of, free social liberty, but the non-aggression principle means hurt no one. In my mind and in my belief, hurting no human means the unborn and the born. So we're, we're good. We have a level playing field now. We're totally good with that. And that is so, I, I have had lots of conversations with my parents on this because, you know, they're, they're still very much involved in the church. And, you know, I say like, you got to remember anytime you try to pass a law to ban something that, 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 that exact same mindset can come around and be used against religion or the church. Just like that, you know, it's, it's okay to not agree with what somebody does, but what it it doesn't affect you. So don't worry about it. You know, I mean, you can't, what do you do? 
Well, I and I know this is going to be very unpopular toward my Christian friends, but okay. the whole thing about anti-gay marriage, I, I never really got behind the whole anti-gay marriage thing because at the end of the day, it's like anti-gay marriage means people aren't going to be gay anymore. So let's do this anti-gay marriage. No, they're still going to be gay. They're still going to do the things that they're going to do. Leave them alone. Yeah, and, and so non-aggression principle means everything whenever you're trying to live your life, build your community, and do the things that support the people you love. I, I didn't plan on going down an anarchist rabbit hole, but that's okay. I mean, when when it comes down to it, like you said, like there's a lot of people that are libertarian because they're like, I'm an anarchist, but I'm an anarchist, but but it, no, no, you can't be. You, you can't. It's tough. That's a hard pill. That final. But it feels good to let it go. Hey, when you finally say, you know what? It does. Next me. I'm good. I just worry about me and my own, and I don't fucking care about anything else. Because you can do whatever you want. Jack did us an exercise. He said, take a book, write the shit down that bothers you. Yep. Close it up. Don't look at it until 30 days later. Every day, you write, this shit bothers me. This shit bothers me. This shit bothers me. And so you go through this whole exercise. 30 days later, you go back and you look at day one. It's like, that shit happened? I don't even remember. Jonas Brothers. I don't even remember Jonas Brothers. (laughs) Well, I I said, I get, so here, like back, you know, I've been on Facebook for, I don't know, fuck, 15 years or something. I'll get memories once in a while now. And I'll be like, what the hell was I so worked up about? I don't even know what I'm talking about in this post. (laughs) I know. I tell my kids that now, like, you know, they'll be all worked up over whatever, whatever the uh, crisis du jour is right now. And I said, I promise you in, in, in a month or six months or a year, it's not going to mean shit to you. So don't worry about it. You know, worry about what you can worry about, what you can handle, what you can control. Right. You're exactly right. I wanted to bring this up. Cabot Porter. Oh, no. A little further back. Ronald says, every time I hear uh, anarchist, th- that word, I think of hacking. Exactly. Right. That's what I <laughs> no. Then he says, we use that back in the 80s a lot, more of doing things against government regulation, etc. And that's the problem with uh, like definitions of words and languages. They change based on how people use them. So that's why I guess we had to, you know, voluntarist came into, you know, more common vernacular. I really like that word because it softens the blow when mm-hmm. you tell people what you really are. Absolutely. It, it does. Because, because you can always start with, you know, do you think all interactions should be voluntary? Well, of course, who doesn't think that, you know, I don't, I, only the craziest of crazy think that you should let the government hold a gun to your head and tell you what to do. Right. Changes the landscape. Yeah, yep. it does. But that, you know, cool. one of the funny things I always thought about Jack and I love Jack. I think he's probably enriched my life more than any other person on this Mm -hmm. planet other than my father. But, um, you know, he's, he's that quirky thing that it's like, I really want to understand and know and be a part of this, but you're kind of like a porcupine. You're cute, but man, you sting the shit out of me. So and it takes a minute for you to finally figure out how do you touch a porcupine? And he's got so much knowledge. He's got so many things that he loves to share with people. And I, I don't know how big the audience is, but 
if if you have an opportunity to start understanding and learning what what he does, it really does change your life, and it it'll change the whole paradigm of, of the way you think about things. I think the thing that changed me the most was when he started talking the concept of a modern Renaissance man, because yes. I, there was something wrong with me my entire life because I would learn something, I would get like I I, I obsess over learning something for maybe a week, a month, six, whatever it happens to be, then I yep. drop like a bad habit and I move to the next thing constantly. That's just how my brain works. And I figured there's something wrong with me. And he's like, oh no, this this is actually a, a good trait to have. <laughs> so I'm like, oh shit, this is great. You know? I'm normal. I didn't yeah. know it, but I'm normal. Or at least there seems to be a lot of people like that in the entrepreneurial bent and in the voluntarist anarchist bent for some reason. So maybe we all kind of, I don't know, we we magnetically attracted or something. I, I don't know. So what got you into prepping? Me. I know this is, I, I'm supposed to be the questionee, but I do have a question for you. How, how did you get into that whole uh, change of lifestyle? Oh, yeah. I could talk about, well, you know, I could talk about prepping forever. That's one of my past. But no, I, so um, I'm starting a, I, I keep telling people this, but the next thing after the coffee club is, a patch of the month club. So I'm going to do tactical patches with the Velcro and then mm -hmm. sell them. You know, people can subscribe, whatever. So my first patch is going to be been prepping since Y2K. And it's going to look like, <laughs> you remember those Best Buy stickers that said, remember to turn your computer off at midnight? I don't know if you remember yes. those. Not. Anyway. Uh, I was in IT during Y2K. So right. it was a fun time. So it's literally designed after that yellow and black Best Buy sticker. So I'm. I, it's, it's just one of them things. Anyway, so I wouldn't say... I guess that's where it first started, but I, I, it's funny. It just kind of slides in. But when I graduated university and lived on my own, for whatever reason, I decided to go pick strawberries and cucumbers and I got my grandmother to come down and show me how to can. I hauled all the can, the jars out of mom's basement that had been there for 20 years, full of cobwebs, brought them up, washed them. Nan taught me how to can and it just kind of built. I, then I got into home brewing. And then I got into like homesteady recipes and I got passionate about saving all of the family recipes that wouldn't be there anymore, you know? So like I've got my my grandmother's seafood chowder, my other grandmother's bread recipes, my aunt's raw beer pie, which you wouldn't have a clue what that is, but that's okay. <laughs> what is it? Raw beer pie, R-A-P-U-R-E. It's, nope. uh, it is an Acadian dish. So there are French, French Canadians and it's, uh, you take potatoes, you grate them through a cheese grater squeeze all the water out of them. So it's like a dry pulpy mess. Then you reconstitute it with chicken, uh, chicken stock, add chicken to it. And everybody's like, oh, it's like uh, a shepherd's pie. No, it's different. It's like gummy. And anyway, it's cool. So, and then it just went from there. And then I met Becky and I think I always say the, uh, how do you put it? Uh, abject poverty is a great motivator. So we learned it is early on that being poor, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, being poor, helped support becoming a prepper. So we always were, you know, we were scared to death. We'd run out of food for the kids or never have uh, shit tickets as we call it, you know, toilet paper. So we always had, you know, a cupboard full of toilet paper and our family would be like, Oh, can we borrow toilet paper? Or, you know, and we never once, never once ran out of food for the kids, never once had to go to the food bank, but it was fucking close a few times. Yeah. So I think, yeah, out of necessity. And then I got passionate about it. I'm like, wow. Oh, then I dug dad's old guns out and yeah, I'll have to do a whole fucking episode on that. Now you got me going down the rabbit hole. So 
<laughs> we, our life, my, uh, we haven't talked about this offline, but my wife was raised Mormon. So I'm poor. She's yep. raised Mormon. You talk about the perfect culmination of talent and skill and minds. Sure. So when we started canning and doing all these things, she would always talk about, oh, at the storehouse, they do this. At the storehouse, they do that. So in every state, there is actually a Mormon storehouse where you can go and they'll teach you to can. They'll, and if you need food, they'll help you with food. They don't care if you're a run-of-the-mill Christian like me or if you're a Mormon or whatever religion you are. But they always have these skills classes and food for you because they, they know that the time is coming. So they're always trying to teach that. So that has always been kind of a cool thing with my wife. It's like, okay, we're 20 years down the road. Maybe you weren't practicing, but now we're we're back into it. She came home one night and she said, babe, I was at Costco and they had chicken on sale. It was 75 cents a pound and I bought a hundred pounds. I was like, nice. She said, you don't have to work tomorrow. So let's make chicken. And nah. so we can chicken until two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yep. And I, I drank bourbon. I helped her and we got drunk and danced and not even a joke. We can chicken and danced and got drunk all night long. It was I fantastic. Love- it was a great time. Some of my best memories are canning with Becky because when, when shit comes in, you got to can it. Right. So, oh yeah. You know, we hadn't done it in a few years. So since we moved to the prairies, we hadn't canned just simply because we just didn't have a garden. We didn't have the space. So we bought canned, pre-canned. So I bought 50 pounds of carrots from the Hutterites, which are like Mennonites and Amish, whatever. And we were up until it was two or three o'clock in the morning canning carrots. And it it's so much fun. I don't know what it, it is. is. Just Yeah, because we're not Nighthawks very often. So it, yeah, Aaron says, sounds like a perfect date night. And yeah. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is that you think about all the distraction in the, in this world, everything that can pull you left and right and whatever direction. But whenever you're you're imp- you're improving your life, you're improving your sustainability, the things that you're doing for your family. It, it that's what's important. Whoever's in the office doesn't matter. That, that shit's all rigged. It doesn't yeah. matter. Amen. You do what you need to do for your family, for everything that your family needs to have, and then that'll be more than one vote on election day. Absolutely. And it's going to affect (laughs) circle of influence, circle of concern. It's going to affect you way more than, you know, whoever happens to be in the White House or Parliament Hill this this month or this year or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Trudeau. Fucking joke. Can you tell me a little more? Um, we're we're way past an hour and a half now, but can you can you tell Are me? We? Yeah, oh, yeah, shit. yeah. We, we, Are we we'll, good? Yeah, a couple more minutes. Well, I, okay. I wanted to see if you can finish. Or can you okay. tell me a little bit about the Mormon thing? Uh, because I, I I'm interested in that because you always hear Mormons are into preparedness and prepping and things. How? What does that mean? Or do, I know you weren't brought up Mormon, but obviously you married a Mormon, so you know you yeah. know a little bit. Well. We are officially front-of-the-mill Christian, if you will, Uh, but she has those traits. So what they do is they they teach the people in the community, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter even if you're a Mormon, they teach you about 
what having food and necessities put back for a certain amount of time is worth. So um, I believe that it's a one-year goal. They want everybody to have one year of food put back. And so my wife has naturally always wanted to have that much food put back. So it didn't it didn't take a, a scamdemic or anything like that for her to want to do that. But when uh, we sold a, a, our house back in 2017, and they called us, we used to, okay, they were, they looked like little phone chargers, little squares, put mm-hmm. your USB in it, charge your phone. No, they were cameras. And so I got to hear what people said about my house. They're like, this guy has eight 55 gallon drums of water. He has a whole room of food. He has yada, yada, and, and he's got cameras all around his house. Don't say anything about the price you're willing to pay for this house until we get outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we look at all that and it's like, we're a bunch of freaking weirdos. Nobody acts like that. Now, today, everybody has cameras. Everybody has water. Well, most smart people have water. Smart people have food. And the whole paradigm has shifted. And it's like that whole Mormon thing has just kind of sustained itself. It's like, you'll laugh at us. You'll laugh at us. Oh, now we're normal. Now this is what everybody's doing. And it's, it's kind of like been a normal thing for everybody. I mean, if you, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I know, I mean, people have been predicting the end of the world since Jesus was crucified. You literally 2000 years, right? And people have always prepped and always, whatever it happens to be. And, I'm a big fan of practical preparedness. So being prepared for, like you said, well, tornadoes or, um, you know, hurricanes or wildfires, the things that are most likely going to happen. But people, you know, it ebbs and it flows, right? So yep. pre-9-11, or sorry, um, pre-Y2K, people were scared shitless. Post-Y2K, they're like, oh, okay. And then 2008, people get into it again. Then COVID, people get into it again. And, you know, we're just here kind of, you know, straight straight line and everybody else is like, oh, I need to prep. Ah, forget it. Oh, I need to prep. Ah, forget it. You know, so (laughs) we just try to help people. And hopefully each time some crisis comes along, we can get a few more people to see our way and be like, oh, you know what? It's not crazy to have a bunch of food in the pantry because why people think it all. Yeah. Hey, go out on Amazon and I don't care which one you pick, but make it the link for this show because I know you have an Amazon affiliate program. Find a bidet. Oh, yeah. If the toilet paper crisis happens and you have a bidet and you just wash your ass, you don't care about toilet paper anymore. Get a bidet. (laughs) That's what we did. We got bidets. We just wash our butts. We're done. I love it. That's cool. Well, I suppose, Dan, we should wrap it up. We've been almost an hour and four. It's like talking to an old friend. It's like I knew you, but we never met before, right? I know. Great. So how can, um, what, what do you have out there? So if people want to reach out to you, where, where can people find you or, yeah. I've got nothing. I'm not on social media. I'm on MeWe. Yeah. So I, if you want to, if you want to link with me on, uh, uh, MeWe, that's about it. But, uh, my email address is dan at matneyfamily.com. Dan at matney, M-A-T-N-E-Y-F-A-M-I-L-Y.com. There you go. But, that's really there. about it. I keep to myself and I I just want to love and serve. I threw your MeWe. Uh, so earlier tonight, I threw your MeWe 
uh, profile link in the description. So it'll go out. So I, I, the easiest way we chat is through MeWe private message. So if somebody wants to yep. reach out and if they want to reach out to you and they're not sure how they can always reach to me and I'll, I'll, I'll pass it along too. And telegram. I love telegram. Oh yeah. Me too. Believe it or not, your group is the most active group that I'm on. <laughs> right on. Some get, it gets out of hand. Like some groups get so big, you can't keep up. So then yeah. I just mute them. But yeah, I like, I like that 100 to 200 person seems to be about where it's at. And then, yeah, from there. But yeah, any uh, any parting words, Dan? Anything you want to, where, where are you heading? What are you up to? Anything like that? I, I'm just trying to sustain everything, no. even keel. Tim, you have been, uh, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you have been my friend. My wife, she'll all often ask me, is that your friend, uh, your friend from Canada? And I'll <laughs> nice. tell her, yeah. Even, even though we have never met, we've yep. never talked except for tonight. But you have been a great inspiration to me. Everything that you have done and said has left a bigger uh, ripple effect than you will ever know. I appreciate everything that you have said, everything you've done for me. Thank you. No, th thank you. And I... I do. I consider you a friend as well. I, it's cool. Carrie Brown was another one that was a friend and I hadn't met until I met him. And it was just like old buddies talking. So I'm sure we'll, yeah. we will get to meet in person someday. So thanks, Dan. Thank you. Perfect. And I will uh, um, love you, brother. I'll keep you. You can hang in the background for just a split second if you want. I'll uh, shut down and then I'll, I'll be I off. Got all night. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. Guys, that was an incredible episode. It's funny how where you start and where you finish isn't necessarily what you think. Uh, we we started, yeah, started on side hustle and got all the way down into anarchy and prepping because uh, Dan is a, a soul after, you know, just after me. It's great. I love it. Uh, he's a, a kindred soul. We get along great and it's a lot of fun to chat with people that you get along with and have a lot in common. So I see a ton of comments here, guys. Thanks, Chris, for a great chat, he said. And Cabot, uh, thanks, Dan, and thanks, Tim. Aaron says, we're not expecting these topics, but it was a good one. And Ronald Cole says, uh, thank you, Dan, for sharing your tips and ideas. Anyway, guys, I tell you this every week. Uh, it means the world to me that you come and hang out with me. Um, I don't ever want that to become a thing that I just say because I, I feel it, I mean it, and I appreciate you dropping by and hanging out because you can spend your time anywhere and you come and hang out with me. Uh, if you want to know where you can find me this week, it's going to be a busy week, but I guess the, the first one will be tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We'll have a live stream on... Uh, Guilty Pleasure, Netflix, Shit Hit the Fan movies. Those are going to be great. And pretty much every night this week, there'll be some sort of live stream or podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll fill you in on the rest of it tomorrow. But anyway, guys, I appreciate it. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.